Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. You know how I get ready for St. Patty's Day? It's all about St. Practice Day because practice makes proper. Proper number 12 Irish whiskey is a rich and smooth blend of golden grain and single malt, aged four years in bourbon barrels. Or try Irish Apple, a delicious blend of Proper's award-winning Irish whiskey with crisp and fresh notes of Irish Apple. Join me for a proper St. Paddy's Day and find yourself some proper number 12 Irish whiskey. Pour the roar. Reveille, reveille, reveille. back to another edition of Zero Block 30. Today is one where we're not going to make you cry or get emotional at all. We're going to have a completely light episode after a couple weeks, I guess, of having a major topic to discuss that kind of makes you sad. We're not doing that today. Today we have five, four rounds of the magazine. Round number one, after a long weekend, we, de- we do need to do some barracks inspections to make sure that there isn't a duck in your room. There, there's a lot of duck goofing going on. I heard they're doing quack in there. They are doing quack. Yeah, maybe uh, I was going to make a West Point joke. What a tangled web. Pull it back in. Not going to do that. Not going to do it at all. Lots of other animals that were in the business, too. Several stories about potbelly pigs. Potbelly pigs are just taking over the barracks. Uh, Round number two, are we washed veterans? The Military Times has released a list that 23 things that every veteran has for life. Do we uh, still fit in? We're going to find out. I am a little bit nervous about Kate. If Kate's stolen valor. Like, am I a stereotypical old veteran now? I'm worried that you're not going to have enough because I think we need to have like, how many do you actually need of these 23s to qualify? I'm not sure if you're going to meet like the 70% threshold there. Let's say 10. 10? No. 10 is low. Passing with like a fucking 39 average, Kate? Come on. We're not doing that. Think Uh, about like the ASVAB. Adapt, improvise, and overcome. One airman did that with a uniform, and we salute him. I, honest to God, there in Okinawa, there's these little thing called mamasans, and they had a mamasan office in each one of the barracks where it was an older Japanese Okinawan woman who would typically they would know how to do all the military uniforms, and they would do them impeccably. Like even if you would bring your ribbons and medals, they would put them in the perfect spot. Mm-hmm. If you went to these women and paid them like thirty bucks or whatever, your uniform was going to be good and golden. These folks never came up with an idea that this airman did. And if they did it, everybody would look squared away. I absolutely love this uniform move. Round mm-hmm. number four, 7, 75,000 Afghan refugees need help. And we're going to talk with an organization that has a call to action to ZBT listeners. I'm excited about that. And we're also going to get into a little bit of this general officer beef that's been happening all across with General Krulak, who's the former commandant of the Marine Corps, going at the current commandant of the Marine Corps. Other generals weighing in. There's different op-eds all over the place. Right old fucks just going after <laughs> hey general krulak you had your time you established the fucking crucible now get out you just get you out it's none get of your goddamn get business. out well you like, know we, these men cannot control their emotions so this well this is we'll basically like the four-star version of fucking uncle rico trying to throw the football over the mountains <laughs> like we, yeah. you're you're out of high school general krulak move the fuck on yeah and i think it's just we've said this he before says it to a show. microphone about military issues 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> 10 years later. Right. Um, <laughs> um, just how these gentlemen, the, the higher you Painfully go up the chain, the less people tell you that they disagree with you or that your idea is stupid. So they just go on believing that they're the smartest person in the room well after they've gotten out of uniform. One of my favorite pieces of advice that I got from Sergeant Major Estrada, who used to be a Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. You got brownie little, throat, little brownie throat. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier I had a chocolate granola bar and had a brownie course, throat moment. Yeah, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to him at the commander in chief bowl when President Obama was inaugurated and he was getting he was the outgoing. He had just left the commandant uh, or the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps post and Sergeant Major Kent had taken over for him. And I asked Sergeant Major Estrada, we got to talk to uh, several. There was probably four or five different Sergeant Majors of the Marine Corps that were there. And I asked Sergeant Major Estrada, what's the biggest difference of you getting out after being in for 30 years and reaching such levels? And he was like, Sergeant, the only thing that I really learned is that no one gives a shit about what you did when you're out. Like I was Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. I get out, I go to the mall. No one cares. Like, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Nobody and, cares. Yeah. And I was like, that's so true. And I obviously never rose to those high of ranks and none of us did not even close but it is kind of jarring when you leave after having some influence in like your MOS and things and around in a world you, where decorum no cares. is everything right, right. to have and that suddenly gone is because you have this idea. You're like, I don't know if they're going to be able to even do kennel care when I'm gone. Like who's going to make that duty <laughs> roster for the dogs to get clean. And then the next thing you know, like, Oh, this thing's been around since 1775. They're going to be okay without, me. Yeah. they're going mm-hmm. to do just fine. You know how I get ready for St. Patty's day. It's all about St. Practice Day because practice makes proper. Proper number 12 Irish whiskey is a rich and smooth blend of golden grain and single malt, aged four years in bourbon barrels. Or try Irish Apple, a delicious blend of Proper's award-winning Irish whiskey with crisp and fresh notes of Irish Apple. Join me for a proper St. Paddy's Day and find yourself some proper number 12 Irish whiskey. Pour the roar. When did you learn and talk me through it that you could just have whiskey straight? So I probably, I would think whiskey has gateway drugs, which (laughs) instead of marijuana, there's whiskey gateway drugs. And for me, that was Jack Daniels honey whiskey. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like a liqueur. And I drank Mm -hmm. that and I was like, oh shit, this tastes pretty good. And then- now, if I drink that, I'm like, that tastes like fucking ass. Like it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, being a wine person. And the first real wine that most people like is Moscato, like that you can go with and you're like, oh, very sweet white. Like that's nice. And now if I had a Moscato, I'd want to fucking puke. I, w- I would mm-hmm. never want to drink that. Right. But I think Tennessee whiskey was the it was the number one gateway drug for me. Yeah. For me, with wine and whiskey, as I as I think about it now, I just get kept getting thrown into situations where I didn't want to seem like a loser. And I basically got peer pressured into just shutting up and drinking it. And then with both, I just, I I can't pinpoint the exact instant it happened, but I can remember each time with wine and whiskey, one of the times I was drinking it thinking, I think I actually like this. I think this actually tastes good. And then you you have more and you learn more about it. And I'm doing that now with the, the whiskey. So very happy to have whistle pig with us. But it really is a journey. It's not something you just jump head first into. Thank you for telling us that, Cons. Let's move on to <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to oh, let's start a little Memorial Day wrap up. I guess we'll do Top Gun because we've been teasing it a little bit the last couple episodes. 
and spoil and we didn't want to do spoilers. We are going to do some spoilers here. But in reality, I don't think there's that many spoilers to even be had in this. Movie. No, it's not like you're going to give away some big plot point. The there's plot no point, real plot to it. There's no plot. It's fucking. I disagree. Cool oh, my God. Are you kidding me? There's They're not a absolutely. plot. There's I a remember. little bit of a plot. This plot could have taken place over the course of 20 minutes. Like they it could have been. 20- here's the plot. They get All planes se- to go up against a bad guy. Right. Cool shit happens. Man. There's one target. No, it's gosh, cool as guys. hell. But the, the, here was the plot. All right. And, and, and I can't believe neither of you picked up on this. And we the did pick was, up. It's not exactly fucking brilliant. This is like PBS shit. There's a one target. It takes an hour and a half to get there. That's the plot. Oh, my God. No, the the spin I was, didn't see. I will say I didn't see that that all happens in the first 10 minutes. And then they switch him to logistics. He spends the entire rest of the movie at SIF. Mm-hmm. Trying to return his gear, they won't take it. He gets in a fight. He gets demoted. Sorry, He's like, don't you spoilers. know I'm a, a captain? And they're like, captain, but you've been a captain and you've been in for like 35 years. You must be a piece of shit, right? <laughs> and so then, yeah, he gets pulled over to supply and he's doing sip shit. And it's, I mean, you feel like you're waiting in line with him the entire rest of the movie. So, but it's it's one of those movies where you know exactly what's going to happen. It happens, and you're like. That was fucking That's awesome. That's what I wanted. That's okay, exactly I disagree I with you guys again. The last 30 minutes, you cannot tell me you predicted because I thought the movie was going to end in like three different places and then something else happened and it continued on until he finally had Hangman come through and save them you very simple at the little very man. last. <laughs> these little uh, plots and twists yeah because they're not gonna end twist. the movie after 30 minutes so they're like what are we gonna do let's keep it going oh here comes another one around the mountain didn't expect this wow it was and not just because i was high as shit it was hilarious in the end when he flies off with that woman in his little goofball <laughs> plane like yeah. what it was very silly i enjoyed it, it was i i thought the movie was fantastic but i did it, too it's not gonna be known for its storytelling for sure no, but that was part of its brilliance was that the plot was very fast paced. It was easy to follow. It wasn't meant to be like this cinematic masterpiece of a plot, but you can't just say there was no plot to it. There wasn't a plot that was intriguing. There was no plot that's going to be turned that could have been a Pulitzer Prize winner for sure. This is just it's a great movie and it is what it is. I And I think that's what's fantastic, making it out to be something that it's not. This was a fighter pilots movie about fighter pilots and blowing shit up and moving fast. That's it. I'll Nothing say this else too. They this was specifically designed to pave way for a badass video game. There hasn't been a really oh, good fighter good jet point. video game coming. There's going to be one soon, and it's, it's going to so blow everyone's dicks too. off. They had because did you guys ever play Top Gun on Nintendo? They had a Top mm-hmm. Gun Nintendo mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. and much like when PFT, our friend from part of my take, when he was doing his fighter pilot goofing. He was talking about how difficult it was to land on the aircraft carrier. The original Nintendo game, Top Gun, same thing. That shit was hard. Like going in there and getting it to land. If there was a game, the thing that I hate about most fighter pilot games, it's so difficult to know when you're going up and down. (laughs) Because occasionally I'll just be, well, now I'm going to fly into the fucking sun. I'm just going up forever. I don't know how to level up. You don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. But it was a good, it was a really good movie. And I really enjoyed it. I'll point out, number one, I had no idea how they were going to include Val Kilmer. I knew he was going to get included. They did a great job not spoiling that throughout all of the previews. But considering his his current illness and working, maybe. But I thought that was that was beautifully done and, and in no way 
humiliating for Val Kilmer as a person, as an actor. And they did a very nice honor to him as his character that thought that was great. I love the ultimate callback at the very end when they're in the F-14 and, and Brewster gets in, in the backseat, ultimate mm-hmm. callback. Mm-hmm. And then here's some real inside baseball that I, I think maybe a lot of people didn't pick out or maybe they did. And I'm just blowing this out of proportion, but they explained not explicitly, but they explained how it would make sense that Rooster was the rank that he was for what, how far removed we are from the original when they mentioned that Maverick pulled his packet so he couldn't go to the Naval Academy right away. And that delayed him getting into the Navy, which would explain out his, his age and his rank and current stature in the Navy. Did you guys pick up on that? Yes, it did. Uh, I didn't really care about that portion no, of the show high. at all. Too high. Didn't care. <laughs> yeah, didn't too care high. at all. Didn't uh, give a shit. <laughs> one thing I didn't like is that they tried to give Goose's son a better call name. Like, because Goose is, I feel like Goose, as you're, you're just like a goofy guy. Like, you're Goose. Oh, he's just up there just fucking hanging out. He's going to be with Maverick. Don't worry about it. Rooster has a little bit of cock of the walk to you. You better mm-hmm. be able to go in and do some pecking on some Russian hens if your mm-hmm. name is Rooster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gobble, but it seems gobble. like Miles Teller, rightfully so, is getting a lot of praise. Yeah, I thought he, he is. It. And there was a tweet that went out and I wanted to get Kate's thought on it because, oh, I guess it, oh, was yeah. actually, it wasn't a tweet. It was a TikTok video. But yeah. a woman has a on the screen of their TikTok. It says, I know half of America's female population is currently obsessed with Miles Teller and the new Top Gun movie. If you simply go to a military gym on base, I promise every single white man in the room under 35 looks exactly like him. Same mustache, same build, slightly more annoying. Do that info. Do with that info with what you will. Kate, your thoughts. One of the You're biggest... absolutely wrong, Kate. No. We are hot. Yeah. Well, Everybody's no. hot. No. Everybody's hot. One of hot. the biggest yeah, myths yeah, in the yeah. military is that you guys are hot. You look around a gym. It's like the misfit kingdom. Get the fuck out of here. You're hot. No offense to you, chaps. You have no legs. You got twigs for ankles. No offense <laughs> to you, cons. You're dragging a freaking wagon around like yeah, two handbags. That, that was on a, purpose. That was on purpose. What we're not going to do is just assume that everybody walking around at the female section of the gym is fucking Grace Kelly, Kate. Mm. We are. And two, we're not saying that. Like this woman's saying, all you no, guys we are, are hot. We are all hot. out of here. We're hot. So well, many wackadoodles. A woolly you, pulley? I look fucking dynamite. You look pulley. at half you guys' dress blues photo from boot camp and you're like, is this a joke? Is this is this a joke? This is yeah, who? You got to give, hate you gotta give people. Never thought I'd see it. God yeah, bless them. Love them all. Gotta, Great personalities. You got to give people a little bit longer to Great grow into themselves. On these guys. I, what I don't think is right here. Now, you do find younger service members, 18 and 19 year olds in general, just look like shit for the most part. Right. Yeah. Like they're still growing into their adult faces. I feel like apples. You get into the age range of where he would be, where Rooster would be in his career arc at this point. You're talking about somebody who's 28, 29, 30, has been working out for at least 10 years consistently. Mm-hmm. Wearing a flight suit and the uh, level of shape that, that you have to be to be one of those pilots. I feel like your hot rating, I would say probably 70% of pilots are hot. I would Especially imagine. Especially if you smoke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you fucking rip some heaters and you got that. You have a little bit of a of five o'clock dong. shadow. You don't really give a fuck that, anymore. The big Salt old outline hair. of your dong in your flight suit. Or your flaps. 
No, I just, we're just think straight up I, talking I, about people with big old meaty cocks, Kate. I agree Dang. with the TikTok lady though, because I think so much about being attractive is about your physical shape, not so much about. I think it's more important. A bold statement by Kant. So much more... about physical appearances looks. No, absolutely. <laughs> if we're talking about what, what Tammy Slate is fucking shitting herself right now. <laughs> attractiveness <laughs> is subjective, obviously. But if we're just talking about physical attractiveness, I know there are a lot of, you know, qualities that can make a person attractive. Their humor, you know, Chaps, part of Chaps is, uh, you know, attractiveness is his, is his humor because we know it's not. Annalise never is. If I'm a stick in the mud, no shot. That woman is married to me. None. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I do. But I'm just talking if we're just talking strictly physical, like okay. if you line up 10 people and and, you know, one of them has the best face known to man, but they're fat and out of shape. You're going to be like, ah, he's got a nice face, but he's not really that hot. No, that's Versus, not stopping case me. in point, Matthew McConaughey, right? And fucking Dick, when he looks like Dick Cheney, he's got the same facial structure, chubby. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But if you're in shape, it but with Cheney's helps wealth? True. Yes, Money please. makes a big difference, too. It what sure do you does. think? More date or marriability? Somebody's super hot or somebody's loaded? Loaded. loaded because looks. Give me that age. pontoon boat. I don't care mm-hmm. what you look like. You've got to be. If I, if you had the opportunity, let's say you're 25 years old, 25 year old Katie. Mm-hmm. You walk into a bar. Both you have one dude looks like Miles Teller because I, I guess Miles Teller. Oh, let's do the dude with the mustache on Stranger Things. A lot of people want to fuck that guy. You know what I'm talking about? The lifeguard. Yeah, that's last season. Let's stick with Miles Teller. I think. Okay, we'll go with Miles anyway. Teller. Still good call, cons. So we have Miles Teller on the hotness scale. But then you have somebody who looks like Dave Portnoy, not exactly like a model, but very rich. I feel like I feel like most people go up, go after the super rich person instead of the super attractive person, unless I'm it's not, like Brad Pitt attractive. I'm not shitting on myself here, but I've always known I've been very aware of what I look like. So I would never go for the hot guy. No offense to anyone I've ever been with. God, that would be incredible, though, if you walked into HQ and you were with like fucking Antonio Banderas from like 1988. That would mm-hmm. be amazing. It only works with ugly guys getting hot women. It seems to never go the other way around. Yeah, I don't think Hollywood. it goes the other way around. Unless the woman's loaded, then we she need can to get change a hot guy that. Too. If you're a hot guy looking to stink around a little bit, hit me up. Just kidding. Yeah, I just think. It depends what you're looking for, though. Too. I didn't mean that. If no, you're looking for right. a future, you go with the guy with the money. I, didn't I mean think, that in the future. I'm a oh, okay. Just... All right, let's move on to round number one. What do we got here, Kate? Sure. All right. So on May 23rd, there was a negligent discharge of a weapon at the Marine Corps Air Ground Combat Center, old 29 Palms out in All the right, boonies. for the civilian listener, what is a negligent discharge? Oh, I was trying to think of something funny, but it's when you it's fire your weapon pop. you're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah, it's a desk pop. These guys had a barracks pop. The Marine Corps confirmed that there were no injuries and that the incident is under investigation, although there were no further details on where or how the discharge occurred or what kind of weapon was involved. Have you guys ever been around a negligent discharge? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Let's both go, all three of us, because I feel like those stories are just unbelievable. Cons, we'll start with you. Yeah, we were just leaving, um, leaving the wire and just when you leave the wire and then when you come back from the wire, you have to clear your weapon just to make sure that, you know, you're not riding around with a, um, 
around chambered in your vehicle and a guy in the platoon in front of me, uh, I was the second vehicle. So he was in the last vehicle. More so I was close enough that I heard walking it. into a Walmart in Texas, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes. True. Yes, exactly. But then, but then the worst part about an ND is that anxiety you feel because you know, you are going to be in so much trouble mm-hmm. and it's just not something that should ever happen. Really? Catherine. Yeah. I've been around a few. One, I was on a range where uh, staff NCO shot themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Two, uh, I was in Afghanistan. It was like my second or third day, like outside, like way out at the outpost. And a uh, guy was clearing his saw and he did it wrong and negligent discharge right through his buddy's upper leg. Um, oh. He almost, yeah, they had to get him out of there. There was blood everywhere. It was horrible. Um, and then, yeah, just a couple at the range where people, it was like ceasefire, ceasefire. And, you know, those pops no, always going off later, like that. Yeah. yeah. That kind That's of thing. That's scary yeah. because yours involve people getting injured. I'm people just, mine was like a shot, yeah. clearing barrel, which is, you know, ultimately no big deal in terms of somebody getting hurt. But geez, well, mine sucks. was yeah. a clearing barrel inside a PMO whenever I was in oh. Okinawa and there was a corporal that was went, going in there. And the shitty part was this corporal was in charge of training the new folks when they were coming in of like the clearing barrel procedures. Like it was the training NCO that was teaching everybody how to do this. And he goes in there, racks it back. The M9 goes off inside the building of the PMO. And you would have thought like a literal bomb went off the way mm-hmm. the, it was like all these staff NCOs. This was probably 2005 time period. So none of the staff NCOs had been to combat. Like everybody had only done garrison shit. And it was like Fallujah was taking place in PML. Like they were honestly, though, is there any better training uh, than that? Well, so what I was going to say is it's kind of weird because the clearing barrel, that's exactly what it's there for. It's 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 serving its exact purpose. But then we get mad at people when it actually happens inside the clearing. Because it should never happen. Right. (laughs) It's so weird. It should never happen. It's a last little fail safe. All right, let's keep going through the story. So anyway, there's a barracks pop. Investigators, they're all over the base like ants on a ants on a spilled ice cream cone summertime right thought you're gonna go ants on a log there with a celery i was gonna gonna, ants on a log uh anyways there's investigators all over the base they cannot figure out who did this negligent discharge who did the barracks pop but while personnel from the provost marshal's office were clearing a barracks they made an interesting discovery a flock of ducks being kept in one of the marines rooms ducks honking quacking crapping everywhere ducks Questions abound. What was this Marine doing with the ducks? How many ducks were there exactly? How long had they been in the barracks? And most importantly, what were their names? Dewey, Dewey, Louie, if you're unoriginal, yes. Mm. The video, which surfaced on social media on Monday, shows at least four ducks inside the Marine's barracks room closet, which seems to have been turned into an ad hoc enclosure. According to the communications director at 29 Palms, the ducks were appropriately relocated and are in good health no other animals were discovered during this incident. Marines being Marines, keeping ducks is somehow not without precedence. Now, before they go into this story from the 1940s, I, to me, I try to put myself back in the position of like leadership and going in and seeing a Marine with ducks in his room. I don't think I could be mad about it because mm, it's yes, it's you could. Fun. Like, yes, you, you sure I know could. I would be at the time. Like, I know back then, like crawling back inside my staff and steel brain. I would have been furious and I would have yelled at somebody and had paperwork and all kinds of shit. But in reality, I'm like, that's pretty fucking cute, dude. You got some ducks in your room. 
Staff NCO chaps in front of the other Marines is livid, is chewing them out and telling them they're a disgrace to the uniform. Mm-hmm. Behind closed doors with all your other buddies, you're saying, well, that was actually kind of cute and, and you're really enjoying it. I'm I calling my wife like, you would have all these fucking yeah. ducks. I'm doing a uniform inspection. Normally I find empty beer cans and shit. Found fucking ducks. I got one in my right. pocket right now. Like, it'd mm-hmm. be awesome. Well, this is not the first time that ducks have been hanging out with the Marines. In 1943, Corporal Francis Fagan won a duck during a poker game at a tavern in New Zealand. I feel we don't like have we don't have that anymore. Ducks as prizes, exactly right. right? We need I that. I feel like that is some old timey shit. Oh yeah, at a poker game down in whatever we got. Again, Marines being Marines, named Sergeant Seawash, the duck became an unofficial mascot of sorts for the Second Marine Division. And as Fagan told the United Press, Seawash was quite fond of drinking beer. It's got to be warm beer, the way it was in New Zealand, said Fagan. Seawash would accompany Fagan and 18,000 other Marines at the Battle of Tarawa, and in A Sign of the Times, was even cited in Life magazine for engaging in some avian avian combat with a Japanese rooster. In 1944, the duck returned stateside on a war bond tour, attending luncheons, making radio appearances, and drinking as much beer as she So who else was on those war bond tours, Kate? Do you remember? The gentleman from the Flags of Our Fathers from the yes, flag raising at Iwo Jima. This is the same tour that like John Bassalone and fucking so many other heroic figures was on. And there's a goddamn duck. And, yeah. a duck. and that's probably who the most popular figure was, was the John Bassalone sitting there with his Medal of Honor with his fucking 50 cow belt over his shoulder. And then the duck is getting more selfies. And everybody wanted selfies <laughs> at the duck. Well, Seawash later retired to the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago, passing away in 1954. Her funeral was held in a taxidermist shop and her body was presented to the National Museum of the Marine Corps. I've been to the museum. I've probably seen her. This seems like a lot for a duck. Sorry, but but it's an emotional support duck at that point. Yeah, uh, Yeah. no such luck for these ducks, though. They will simply have to live out their lives as more average devil duck veterans telling everyone at the pond about their days back at 29 Palms. (laughs) Now, I heard that Seawash was on Facebook saying, well, back in my core, they didn't let ducks just stick around in the barracks like that. You gotta fucking earn it, yeah. I heard these ducks are wearing ponytails now. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyways, Fucking so, pogue ducks, pogue ass bitch ducks. Uh, no combat medals against Japanese roosters. Where's your car at, duck? Yeah, where's your, where's car? your combat action movement, duck? Anyways, we took to social media to ask, what is the weirdest living thing you ever saw in the barracks? I know for me, I've told this on ZBT before. I was coming and going from my barracks room in the morning. I had to share a barracks room with a woman from another unit because I was the only woman in my unit, and so they just shoved me in with somebody else. And I, I started to find these little like turd balls on the floor, but I, there was no sign of an animal or anything. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what the fuck this is. Is it maybe it's something from outside? We're tracking it. Did you ever boots. think that your roommate was like super heavy into dingleberries and like pick them and flick them at night? Well, she was kind of known for, I mean, I spent a lot of nights laying there pretending to, to sleep while she was and good on her going to pound town. Like with herself? Bed. Both uh, openly. Very large dildos just pretty much out. Um, anyway, <laughs> want to drop full names or no? No, okay. you, do, you do you, girl, is what I say. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, say. <laughs> I'll go take a walk around the smoke pit. Long story short, she had a rabbit that she was just keeping in the dark of her wall locker pretty much 24 7 
and didn't, she didn't want me to find out. So she would hide it every time. And that's why I would find these little turd balls. Finally, I came back from PT early one morning and she was gone and the rabbit was just hopping around the room. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, so I took Did a you picture tattletale? with it. No, I didn't tattletale, but I said nice. to her, I was like, you can't, I said, I threatened her to tattletale. I was like, you can't keep this living creature in your fucking wall locker, figure it out. Or I'm going to say something. So she found somebody off base to give the rabbit to, I guess. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a weird thing. Anyways, we asked other people. Jeremy Knopf said, I had a four foot long Nile monitor living in my barracks room. I'm guessing that's a lizard, right? Giant yes, monitor. Yes, I was about to ask what that is. I asked if you, I said, did you have to hide it? He said, yes, it was in an aquarium under my rack, but then someone found it during an inspection um, at oh, Yankees. Whoa, holy fuck. A Nile monitor kind of looks like a miniature Komodo dragon. Like huge. Yeah. It's one of those oh, wow. things that if you give it a full blown chicken, it'll tear it to pieces. And that's something Jeez. that like he probably then was a staple in his barracks because people would come hang out during feeding time just to see what the fuck it would do. Oh, dude. Like that makes and you watch a Nile monitor eat a rat would be incredible. Makes you immediately Wait. popular. Time out. Time out. It says they grow from three feet to seven feet. How would you even begin to think you could keep that hid for any? You don't need to think. You just Jeremy do. was living in the now. <laughs> yeah, you don't think you just do, and that was probably if that cool is shit. an insight into how we think in the military. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, at Yankee Suck, aka Dirtwater sixty nine, said, <laughs> "I love this guy already." Yeah, feeding feeding time at the third LAR barracks in the stumps, twenty nine palms, and he sent a picture that says "R.I.P. Rat" um, from Snapchat of his looks like a snake eating a rat. Yep. So thank you for that. I replied to him. I feel like third LAR. Those guys, that's like in the Lion King where they look out and they're like, the sun does not go over there. That's yeah, a dark and weird place. place. Yeah. It's the shadow realm. L-A-R. Can uh, you light describe- armor reconnaissance, I think it means. Yeah, it's they're in a very specific vehicle, that, but they roll. T- they're like a deep. They're like, it's a, uh, it's hard to explain. It's a Baba Duke vibes. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere, but it's oh, okay. Baba Duke vibes for the All barracks right. wise. Anyway, um, Tom Austin said a pair of leather pants in an under rack locker. They had turned and I think they became a living thing again. I've never seen what happens if leather gets wet. It just gets like skin like or something. I thought or... it just gets tight. I thought it just tightened up. I don't know. Yeah. It sounded weird. Um, uh, Brent said a squirrel while at AIT in Fort Gordon, a female soldier kept it in her headgear throughout the day. Yeah, we had a guy named Doc Hilliard here who was like the lead of the animal psychologist at the working dog school. And he would always, if anybody found like a baby animal around Lackland, they would bring it to him and he would train it like no matter what kind of animal it was. Yeah. So he would constantly like go around the different buildings observing what the dogs were doing, but have like a little baby squirrel in his pocket. <laughs> he'd like train it to do the same shit. Like he'd put a little bit of C4 on his shoulder and the squirrel would come over and sniff it out and like do a passive sit or stare at it. And then he would reward the squirrel. So he'd have like a military working squirrel essentially. You know who else had a pocket squirrel? Mm-mm. Bob Bob Ross, the happy little trees exactly painter right. guy. Yeah. He would be painting, and halfway through an episode, he'd go, "Hold on a second And out of the blue, Peapod the pocket squirrel would pop out of his pocket, and he'd give Long it a peanut. Totally Peapod. No context, no warning, and then the the Peapod would go back into his pocket, and he'd keep painting. And you were like, "What a rush!" That's either the a person that has a pocket squirrel is either the kindest person in the world or an absolute psychopath. There's no totally one. Totally agree. 
Absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. I think um, that goes for anyone that has any sort of connection to a rodent of any kind. Oh, that's wow. fair. To inc- I'm, I'm, I'm throwing hamster people into that too. That's mm-hmm. fair. People love their rats. Here. I have a relative who had a rat that she really loved. Rest in peace, Cheddar. And she was oh, like thought, the loveliest the human alive. The one who died. I was like, yikes. But he would, he, I guess as part of the bonding process, the rat would like eat off her teeth. <laughs> it would like dig around in her mouth. And that's mm-hmm. part of like the bonding process with the rat. I don't know. Don't anyway, um, Troy says a hamster gave birth and then cannibalized three of its young. And this is a, a side note I didn't expect. Side note, the owner of that said locker. I, so I guess this woman kept or man kept the hamster in a locker. It ate its young. Side note, the owner of said locker and I have been married for 10 years. Nice. Wow. Well, that's yeah. a happy ending. Um, T camp said a baby. I too have seen this very early when I was on barracks duty, a Marine just walking down some stairs with a lady holding a baby carrier, which means booty call brought her baby to the barracks. That's fine. That's fine. Good. On. I had that one time I had a soldier. It was only for a, a, like a week long period. And, and ultimately it only came out well after the fact. So he didn't really get in trouble, but he kept the uh, girlfriend in his, his barracks for a week. Because yeah. she was like moving and their lease hadn't started yet at their new place. And it sucks having to care about that stuff. Like, because yeah. there's so many things as a leader, you just don't care about. And you are no. required to care about it or at least act mm-hmm. like you care about it. I feel like that's the same thing with being a dad to teenagers. Like there's certain things that Kelsey wants to do that I'm like, I don't really care if you do that. Like uh, what difference does it make? But then I'm like, oh, I have to care because I'm your dad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or at least <laughs> act like I care. Oh, you yeah. said fuck in class. Oh, this one didn't have to do with animals, but I just enjoyed it. Uh, Chris M said NCIS raid my room for drugs at damn Nick. <laughs> okay, man. All, All right. right, dude. Got All right. I think answers. that's enough there. Let's move on. Alligators and to... closets, a whole litter of cats. I got one more that I yeah, really the, the list that Kate put on here is just way too long. There's so I got many. one more. Damn it. This is important. Okay. Which one is it? BP Moo said a guy in a barracks room next to me had a paint shop set up in his room and stayed off base. So he didn't even live there. He used it to paint motorcycles, dirt bikes, and BMX pieces in there. Brilliant. Love it. Okay, well, I mean, now I we can move if, on. I don't know if you can really even penalize him for something like that. I think it's incredible. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to round number two. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Let's move on to round number two. This one comes to us from our friends at Military Times by Sarah Sicard, who wrote it. And she came up with a list. It says, in the back of every veteran's closet, you're likely to find some old uniforms, a dusty caps, a stack of medical training and discharge records, maybe a few ribbons and medals, because these are a few of the typical things that are separated or retired service members keep with them. Other things they're stuck with forever. So we compiled a list of the more non-traditional things that veterans carry for life. Before we do that, I want to ask you guys, in your main closet, not put up anywhere or anything like that, the closet that is in your actual bedroom, do you still have any uniform items at all that are not either a sweatshirt or like 
fucking silkies or something like that. Yeah, right? I have a set. Of, you do, cons? I have a set of ACUs and boots, yeah. Like prepared and ready to go? Um, yeah, probably. They probably still have all. I'd have to double check, but they probably, probably have my, my unit. shit. Yeah, I mean, I haven't touched them. All my like dress uniforms are in a garment bag in my parents' house, so I don't have those. Kate? I don't have a single uniform item from any of my uniforms. I not one. When I moved last year, I moved everything out and just put it into storage, like put it into like a sealable bag and shit like that. But it was hard, man. Like I was on Instagram live talking about, oh, these are my boots that I wore when I was in Iraq and like trained with. These are my boots that I would go do this with and like getting rid of that kind of stuff and being sentimental. It was difficult. And I was surprised that being like that, I guess like moving everything out, it's official. Like that part of your life is completely over. Cause I would even have months after leaving service, I would still have these dreams like, Oh fuck, I'm late for PT. Like, or <laughs> something like that, where a pop up instead of being naked on stage and giving a stand up comedy routine, I was just late and in getting NJP for, for being late essentially. But there's yeah. these, it's oh well, I'm sorry. It's just weird. That made me think like I I why I hold on to this uniform and all my uniforms for that matter. I guess I think like maybe one day my kids or my grandkids, hopefully if I have those things, will look at them. But even that, they'll look at it once and say, "Oh, that's cool that dad or grandpa did that," and then that'll be the end of it. Like my uniforms aren't going to some museum somewhere to be honored yeah, for all time. We didn't do so enough I don't know for that. <laughs> right. I don't know why I'm holding on to these things. But we are. And I would but imagine there's I a bunch of listeners too. But Sarah yeah. came up with a list of 23 things. We're not going to go through them slowly. I want to go through them fast and see if you guys have it. And then at the end, we'll decide if we still rate as being veterans or not. Number one, an innocent or an incessant need to roll your socks. Do you do that? Who is not rolling their socks? I don't roll my what socks. The f- what do you mean you don't roll your socks? I, I was, and I'll go a step further. I don't roll my socks and I buy like fun socks that are like pizza or banana or whatever. I don't even care if I have match socks. I just grab the first two socks that are in my drawer and put them on. You're a crazy person. I roll my socks and I have to match my socks. Yeah, I roll my socks. All right. So that's one for you guys. Zero for me. Bad knees. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. All right. The misc number three, the misguided idea that ibuprofen and fresh socks will cure any ailment. Yeah, I have that still too. Especially I, yeah, ibuprofen. The clean socks thing. To the thought of say I'm traveling and I forgot to bring enough socks, the thought of putting on a pair of yesterday's socks, literally, even if I only wore socks for like an hour and took them off for something like the thought of putting can't do it worn, makes me want to vomit in my mouth. And I also have a problem going barefoot anywhere now. I don't know if that's mm. because of how yucky, like you got to wear shower shoes or you're yeah. going to get athlete's mouth. I even in my own apartment, get fucking athlete's mouth. <laughs> Um, oh, God. Yes, no. you got to put some socks on. These things but, are like, fucking disgusting. <laughs> I have trouble being barefoot now. Like I cannot, even when I'm wearing sandals, I have to wear socks. My sandal, like I, there's something weird about it now that I can't. I got, it. I got abused this weekend because a picture got posted and I've been oh, walking around barefoot all day. My feet gross. were dirty as hell. Yeah. Yep. Which I don't care mm-hmm. in the summer, especially because I'm in and out of the pool and I'll wash my feet off with the hose or whatever, but it doesn't bother me that the way it seemingly bothers you. All right. Let's do a live feet check on the show. Nobody was prepared for it. I have mine ready to go right now. That's the bottom of my feet. <sighs> no. I, walk, I, I, walked out, I walked out to the pool to get um to turn on the pump 
So I, I didn't put on socks or shoes. I walked out there. So I got a little bit of jiffy feet. Kate, let's see yours. I'm not coward. taking my socks. Come on, you coward. Coward. <laughs> for your country, Kate. Look at these oh, clean little take socks. Take that sock off, oh, Take that sock cover, off. Just cover the toes. You got to cover the toes so the freaks won't get it. But get uh, we need to see the bottom. Let's see what you got. Look oh, how clean that is. Clean. They're super clean. I know wow. because I don't go barefoot anywhere, dude, ever. Jeez, Yo, but su- incredible. surprisingly, well done, and, and Alex will confirm this, despite going barefoot all the time, especially in the summer, I don't have smelly feet. I don't believe that for a goddamn second. You can I believe with that because cons where smelly feet don't come from being a stinky person. They come from having shoes for too long. Cons doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who's not going to wear. He's going to wear shoes when they're disgusting. So That's like fair. he has That's his fair. new shoes and gets rid of them so they don't stink. That's fair. Cons does not give it, even though you're sweaty, you don't give off a smelly vibe, except for your farts. True. Yeah, I bet yeah, Cons is like, how true. many times you shower a day in the summer? At least twice, right? You seem like twice. multiple. Yeah, you're yeah. a multiple shower guy. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, we have tinnitus. Uh, I actually don't have tinnitus, I don't think. I do. It, here's I do. the weird thing. It's when birds chirp and when the news is on at certain levels, it's a thumping. Like I can physically feel like a little doormat going thump, 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 and it does it to the noise. So like it does it when a bird's like chirping. If it's like chirp, 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 my ears like thump, thump, thump. I can feel it. It's weird. When I did my VA checkout to like get out of the Marine Corps, they they said, "Do you have? Do you think you have tinnitus? We're gonna do a screening for tinnitus." And I said, "No." And the lady goes, "Where were you?" And I go, "Fallujah." And she was like, "You have it." Yeah. She put it in there. She's like, "We're gonna give you a zero rating for it, but we're gonna put it in there in case your ears are fucked up later on in life." Yeah. And now that I'm ten years removed from that, I appreciate that because if I if I need hearing aids, I can go to the VA. And it's provided, which they should do for everybody. Like yeah. if you went to combat, there's a good chance your ears are fucked up. The, like, I was yeah, holding my baby the other day and I'm, I hear it wasn't the thumping. It was like that ringing sound. I'm holding my baby and I'm sitting in his chair. I'm rocking him to sleep. And I looked at him to be like, oh, this is going to bop, drive him nuts, this sound. And then I was like, oh, yeah, only I can hear this, whatever, whatever I'm hearing yeah. right now. It's only That's kind of like with all the legislation that they're working to get for the burn pits and stuff. It was basically like if you were over there, you should just automatically have that just like the tinnitus, because I don't know how you could hear all those explosions over a sustained period of time and not have it just like the burn pit. I don't know. I worry that should have done that down three the and earplugs thing just to tell us. I did it. Oh, you did. Yeah, I should have. One thing I was thinking about when I was flying back last week, uh, Friday, and I love when I'm flying to a city that I live in or have been to a bunch of times, looking out the plane and seeing if I can identify things from a bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, there's my house. Oh, there's this. And even though I've lived in San Antonio for 12 years, I'm like, oh, shit, what? It's the fucking Whole Foods I go to. Like right there. This is insane. (laughs) Why is it here still? This is crazy. (laughs) But I thought how amazing it would be. Like, you know, when you say, when I get to heaven, you'll do something like how many times did I come like in my yes. life? Like I, I I need to know that. Like how many, how much did I come? Like, did I fill up a trash bag? Uh, did I fill up a fucking 55 gallon bucket? Like, I want to know all those things. You want to know I your also, life stats. Yeah. I want to know all my stats. I want advanced saber matrix of everything that I've ever done in my life. But another one, I would Fair. like to see a heat map of all the places I've actually been on earth. Like the percentage of earth ground that I've actually touched. I would bet that no one has ever touched, physically touched 1% of the earth's surface. 1%. I used to have an app on my phone where I could drop, you drop a pin wherever you poop. 
and you could zoom out and I could see where I pooped all across the country. Yeah, I had that app. It was super simple. Yeah. And it was really, it was great. It was like, here's where it's you fascinating. hang out. Like it's fascinating. Yeah. Even your iPhone, when you pull out from the photos and you could see like where you go and like, oh, I did. I'll look occasionally and be like, oh, why do I have 45 pictures randomly in Seattle? And that's it. Like, oh, Kate and I went to Seattle. Like, and you'll see like the little things that pop up. If you could do that at the end of your life and see everywhere you went, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I'd be amazing. But you know who I think would have a good chance of getting to that 1%? And I'll start Forrest with Gump. Eisenhower, Forrest oh. Gump. And then also, I was going to say presidents, considering how much international travel they do and where they but go even around the them, country. Like, I've been with a bunch of presidents on trips. They don't go very many spots. Mm-hmm. Like, when they, when you're the but president, they go United to States, those places. Yeah, but you're only taking like eight steps. Like, you could take that same amount of, st- it doesn't matter where you travel. It's the total distance that you move around. Like, mm-hmm. so even if you went, there'd still mm. just be a little line in Poland, a little line in Germany. A oh, little I see line what you're here. saying. Like, I want actual feet touching. There's no way anybody's ever gone over 1%. None. Hmm. Number five, the about. ability to sleep anywhere. I've yep. lost that. I don't have I've it anymore. I've lost that. I don't have I got it. it. People, you think this having a baby is like the most tired I've ever been in my life, more tired than like any time in the military. And instead it like hyperwires you. You're like, I got to stay alert. And, and, I, and I say I've lost it because I don't have the ability to do it without any substances. I need like a melatonin now. I need like a three tree. I need a couple whistle pigs. I need something. Just falling asleep on my own laurels. No shot. No. Um, so that brings us to number six, the plate of not being able to sleep at all. That's me now. I yeah, just cannot me. sleep. I'm up super late. Then the baby's up all night. And then I'm up at the crack of dawn with the baby. And I and then I start the last day. time you've slept eight hours. Kate, can you remember it? It's been probably probably about two and a half years because I couldn't sleep when I was pregnant either. Yeah, I don't remember you ever yeah. sleep like you even then before you'd be doing something weird at like 4 a.m. Like looking at some <laughs> Wikipedia about how yeah. there happened to be one pink rhino somewhere and you found it and you're like, I got to know everything about this one pink rhino. Yeah, I don't think I've slept more than four hours straight in like two years. So all right. Next up, old combat boots. They're great for mowing the lawn or a trip to Home Depot. I agree with that, but I would never, mm-hmm. ever lace up combat boots to go out and mow. Um, like it's just, just like you, I need one just steel using Rocky thing. boots these days. Right. That's just need a little need. bit of hiking boots there. Next up, fear of tape test. I do. Uh, I am a little nervous when I go in because I still go on base. And whenever I was outside of height and weight standards completely, like I w- when I weighed like 230 and I had like the enlisted person weighing me and taking my blood pressure and shit like that. And I was outside. I was embarrassed. I'm like, I, yeah. I need to have a better example here. I guess the adapted version of this for me is now I know where my belts should fit and in which loop. Or, you know, which way, yeah, which loop. So if it gets close to or goes past it to where I got it, like in the winter, I can only get it to the mm. second loop as opposed to the third. That's that's there for me. I get I get worried about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next up issues with authority figures. I don't think yeah. we have that. I this think came out big time for me at top when I was high at Top Gun and all. And I'm talking <laughs> to a full bird colonel and I'm high and I was like, I can't. Oh my God. Oh my God. What if he, what if he knows? What if he finds out? And it's like, Kate, you've been out for like a decade now. Like, I will say, so even with congressmen you. that we know well and like joke with, I will say that not stirring and mamming them to death is hard. Like, whenever you've mm-hmm. been in that position where normally you would, that's a difficult thing. The hardest transition coming out of the military into the civilian world was calling people who are 15, 20 years, or even 10 years older than me just by their first name. 
and not with a, you know, a Mr. or Mrs. or a, a, any sort of rank. And that goes back to, you know, just how I was raised too. Cause it was never like, Oh, you're a certain age. You can start calling Brian's dad, his first name. It was always Mr. Whoever. And it still is. Oh, to yeah. this day, but that's, I don't, that's weird for me in a work setting. Years ago, I met up, my old captain was in New York city for work or something. And we met up for a beer and I couldn't, I couldn't do, I, tried to just be casual like we were friends or something and i like could not do it so yeah definitely yeah. weird vibe. it is it's awkward for sure mm-hmm. t-shirts from strange events and places that don't that they don't remember going i think that one sticks around but i've gotten rid of most of my stuff like yeah. that too you skipped back, one back pain yeah. yes oh back pain's my back is too. fucked a whoopee that has seen better days uh mm-hmm. yes i wish i still had a whoopee I got one from the Semper Fi Fund. They sent one as a gift. It was fantastic. And I used it all winter long, watching the, my beloved Jaguars get their asses kicked every single week under the comfort of my beloved Wooby. It was fantastic. A swearing problem. If you've listened to this show for a long time, you know that that is me. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. I will say, like, I didn't realize how bad it was, like how much I cussed until I got out. And people were like, geez, all right, easy. And like a couple of people kind of pulled me aside and were like, you might want to tone it down a little. It comes across really aggressive. And I thought that was kind of like a stereotype, but it's true. Like, I Yeah, but still... you were dropping hard pussies all the time, too. Like pussies, you're, when you're like... working at concessions, you're like, you want some pussy ass nachos, you bitch. Yep. I was and saying I was like, all sorts hey, of stuff like that. So I had to tone it down a little bit. But even just telling stories and stuff like with family, they're like, geez, you didn't need to say fuck seven times in that sentence. Like, tone it down. You're talking I about will say cream. when people when people use it too much, I get a little uncomfortable. I'm yeah, like, it's ah. annoying. Yeah. 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 I had yep. to be like told, you know, who does do a little bit. And I say fuck a lot. Like I'm a big mm. time cursor. You know, who is the biggest cursor I've ever seen in my life. Big no. dad, booty daddy or whatever the fuck his name is from rough and rowdy. Yeah. That guy I don't wanna, drop yeah. Even me, yeah. I was like, my goodness, like, well, I was mm-hmm. gripping my pearls. Like that was a little bit too much. And I'm tired of going through this list. So let's move on to round number three. What do we got there, Kate? We've got, okay, first of all, shirt stays. Mm-hmm. I had never seen these, didn't know what they were until I joined the military. And us women don't have to wear them. But you guys, can you explain what is a shirt stay? What do they look like? Why are you wearing them? What does it feel like when they snap? Cons, did you guys wear shirt stays as part of your uniform? Nope. No, wow. Never, so, never, never seen one up close. Really? So shirt stays for those. I, I honestly think it's a Marine specific thing. So I'll kind of stand up if you're not watching. It's so, like a women's garter belt almost. Like, you know, the really sexy is. garter so, belts women wear? The like, Charlie shirt. Stockings. Like the service shirt, like it'll button up, whether it's short sleeve shirt or long sleeve shirt. And at the bottom, you have like the tails that are kind of cut up like this a little bit, you know, and you have to keep it in like with the Marine ones. You want them to be completely flat, like no wrinkles at all, no movement at all. And so there's these almost like suspenders that you put one here at the front, one in the back, one here, one in the back. And then you cross them through your legs underneath and put them to the bottom of your socks and then make them tight. So suspenders essentially for your shirt 
that's attached to it's basically your socks. it's it's a bungee cord system that goes yeah. from the bottom of your shirt to your socks. It's like upside down suspenders. Incredibly that uncomfortable. All the way down. And, and you wear them when you're sitting and they the worst part is it's made of this elastic material that grabs your leg hair and rips it out. Like so you'll be walking and somebody be like, hey, come here, devil dog. And you got to turn around real quick. And you're like, ah, <laughs> it's like it's because it ripped off all your fucking inner thigh hair. It's terrible. But the reason I mean, question, though, yeah, chaps, and this is, I guess, more applicable to guys and going back to our earlier conversation about men in the military being in shape. If you're in shape, your uniform pretty much stays in place. And if especially if it's it's properly fitting, not Charlie's and Delta's like for the Marine Corps, because it can't move I'm, when I'm saying like there can't be any flapping or whatever. It's got to be straight down like you're pulling it as hard as you can. So when you sit, it comes up a little bit when you move a certain when you're getting out of a car, getting into a car, they move still. So it has to be because if it comes up, you'll get fucking yelled at. If you're walking down mm-hmm. the street and there's a little bit of movement in there, you're like, why are you wearing clothes? And it like, does what? look good as hell. Like it looks yeah. so sharp. And but so one way that I got so around good. it, not this way, which that which we're going to get into. I would wear super like a, normally I would probably wear like medium or large underwear. When I had to wear dress uniforms, I was going either extra small or small so that they would stay underwear? super tight. Yeah, underwear like whitey tighties. So they were super tight. And then I would pull those same things through like the holes in my underwear. And that would keep it tight because they were so they were so snug. Mm-hmm. When they talked to you, were you like, yes? I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank All right, you. So, so this guy, there's a guy that's in the Air Force. And what he's done, we don't need to go into the actual article here. But what he's done is taken... The top, the service top, the blue one that has the Air Force enlisted rank insignia on the side. He's I think this that. was a woman that did this, my friend. Oh, was it? Because it's not the Air Force top. Oh, maybe this it uniform is hack appears to be designed for ladies. And I would only think that a woman would be so. OK, so they must do the thing. same thing where they have it there. Mm-hmm. Either way, what she has done is say, and sorry for taking her fucking accomplishment. So what she's done is essentially put the bottom of a bodysuit that like a woman would wear a baby onesie. It's essentially they have turned their uniform into a baby onesie with little crotch snaps that you would use on a newborn. So what do women call that? Leotards, right? Is it like it's like a leotard. And so the top half, you would never know it looking at the bottom. The top half is like the long sleeved dress, like blouse for an Mm -hmm. airman. And then you see right below where the pants would start. It looks like underpants that you would snap. It's so that thing stays tight. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I've, now I've seen this sort of thing on like targeted ads. I feel like for for actually for men, dude. If I would if I was back in, I would order this in a second. Like the two things that I've seen now that are much more prevalent and they didn't exist. I don't think as much. One, the magnets for your ranking insignia with the like the old Earth magnets that were super strong that aren't going to budge. And they'll stick there where you don't have to figure out the exact placement. Like before a uniform inspection, you can just put the magnet on your shirt and then it stays there. You don't have to do the pins and all that stuff. And this, that would make uniform life so much easier. Yeah. I hope she was able to patent this or something so she could, you know, potentially profit off of it. Cause it's a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. I hate to say this, like fellas, is it gay to have a uniform that looks great? No, it's not. 
Do you think the Marine Corps would ever be like, all right, you guys could wear onesie underpants bottoms I on your I cannot tell you how thrilled I would be <laughs> if I ever did a uniform inspection and you got and somebody I saw with these a male Marine wearing a fucking leotard. Like that he had gone to a tailor shop and was like, hack well, my well, uniform well. in half. And give me a fucking bikini bottom on it. I need that <laughs> shit right now. Yeah. I would have lost it. But I also would have been a little bit jealous of that young devil dog for being so having so much ingenuity. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the one where you I don't know if you can get in. Tr- can you get in trouble for it? Oh, absolutely. Any any type of uniform alteration that is not part of the uniform technically like even drill instructors were technically out of uniform when they would do their sleeves like because a lot of them wanted their charlie sleeves to be right on their arms and no movement at all you're not that's not authorized it wasn't authorized to do it at the time and they would do it just because it makes it look better and they would have like a waiver or whatever but those uniforms you weren't supposed to do it you're not supposed to tailor those same thing with camis you did you ever know any gunnies or master sergeants that were and i know some of our army friends did this too like if they were super jacked where they would cut their camis instead of rolling it they would cut it and then they would sew it so it would be thinner so they were able to get their arms out of their yeah. uniform yeah you weren't allowed to do that either mm-hmm. uniform mods that would be a yeah. good question to ask. Like, was it what are the coolest uniform mods you've ever seen? That yeah, there are a lot of tips with? and tricks that you learned over the years that were actually mm-hmm. really helpful. Yeah. And is. then there's there's stuff that going back to our previous story, I, I still always like if I'm in a dress shirt that's tucked in, I always still square myself away when I stand up, just like tuck it and, and pull you it. Do. Tight. You always look very put together. Now, I have that. a question, Cons, a little fashion question. Now, when I wear polos, if I'm not super fat, which right now I'm not super fat, I'm like just mm-hmm. barely a little fat. So if I'm wearing polos and khakis, I like still to tuck it in a little bit tighter than most. And because I feel like if there, I do have any shirt flow, I feel like I look out of place. Yes, I would agree. I would also say, though, that if you're wearing pants or shorts and a polo, it's a very predetermined time and place. Like if you're playing golf, sure. But if you're just kind of like relaxing, I don't know that you would be tucking your polo in. Oh, me? Pants. No, definitely not. It's like when I'm going to some place where like, the, you got to look fancy and I'll be like, okay, well, I'll wear pants and a polo. Like that's me yeah. fancy. You got to yeah. tuck it in then. Sure. But otherwise, yeah, I get what you're saying. Cause yeah, it just feels not gross, but kind of gross. If that makes sense. I don't know if I'll go gross. All right. Before we get into round four, I'm excited about this because there's a lot of call to actions that there can be like one of the things that we get messages about a lot is how can I help out people like there's certain things that I want to do. I want to be more involved in my community. This is one way if you have writing skills or if you're an attorney or if you just have money or if you want to actually help people move in places and things these this next interview is going to teach you how to do some of that. Here it is. Now at Zero Block 30, I am privileged to have Sarah Katie, who is the Executive Director of Refugee and Immigrant Services at the Lutheran Social Services of the National Capital Area. They're doing all kinds of things to, to help out um, Afghanistan refugees who are needed to get settled here in the United States. And they want they reached out to me because they have a call to action to the listeners. There's so many attorneys that listen to this show. There's people who have contacts with attorney listening to this show. And we're going to put your dumb asses to work. And Sarah's going to help. Sarah's going to help you do that. Sarah, could you tell us a little bit about the mission and what you're trying to get together? here? 
Sure. Thanks so much, Chaps, for having us. Uh, my name is Sarah, and I work at the Lutheran Social Services of the National Capital Area. So since last July, we have welcomed to the D.C. metro area um, over 4,000 of our Afghan allies. Some are special immigrant visa holders who have a pathway to permanency in the United States because they worked alongside our troops um, as interpreters, um, at, as military personnel. They staffed our embassies um, and um, worked in our uh, overseas NGOs. However, the United States has also admitted um, about 75,000 people um, from Afghanistan, thousands of which have, who have a status called humanitarian parole. Humanitarian parole was the fastest, safest way to evacuate our Afghan allies who did not have the special immigrant visa. However, that status currently does not afford them a pathway to permanency um, or traditionally known as the green card. Mm -hmm. um, we are working to run large scale uh, pro se asylum clinics which will allow them to apply for asylum. And the call to action that we're uh, specifically asking attorneys and or legal professionals to help with is to participate in those asylum workshops. It is a long application process and our Afghan allies will be asked to retell their stories of evacuation. So it's emotionally intense. Mm. So after those workshops, we also need attorneys who will help our Afghan allies see the asylum process through to the end. So to look at their asylum claims, to make sure that they're strong, to make sure that they have all the necessary accompanying documents to prove why, why they fled Afghanistan and to help them um, stand up when they're interviewed in court. So it is a huge undertaking specifically in this area because LSSNCA has resettled so many of our Afghan allies and we're deeply committed to making sure that they have a pathway to permanency in the United States because of their service to our country. And what are some of the success stories that you've seen so far? Because I feel like a lot of times lawyers get asked so often to do pro bono work, sure. but this is so different and so special, especially to people like Kate and I and Kate very much after being to Afghanistan twice and seeing mm -hmm. the allies that she worked with be left basically floating in the wind. What are some of the success stories that you've seen so far and what are you you're looking forward to duplicate? So, sure. So some of the um, arrivals were offered these workshops on the military bases. So it is relatively new um, for our allies to apply for asylum. But one of the attorneys that we're working with did say that one of their clients um, just had asylum granted. So that's mm -hmm. fantastic and exactly what we want to happen. And we know because asylum is difficult in the United States that you have a much better chance of an affirmative or positive decision if you have legal assistance to help you. Um, so again, it's an all hands on deck response. We want um, not only attorneys, we would like law students and frankly, anyone who's willing to help and has strong writing skills. So we're hoping that um, one volunteer can support one of our Afghan allies to help them write the full um, the narrative and to complete the really long application process. And just so we're clear, all of these 75,000 people, mm -hmm. if they don't get their if they don't get this waiver granted, what happens to them? We don't know yet. Um, they're also eligible for something called temporary protected status, but it's our current understanding that this is the only pathway right now. We are still hopeful that there'll be legislation to um, allow the Afghan, Afghan allies with humanitarian parole to become permanent residents, similar to what um, the special immigrant visa holders were afforded. LSSNCA continues to do advocacy around that. 
Um, but currently right now, um, it's our understanding that applying for asylum is the best option um, to maintain permanent residency in the United States. And if there's somebody like me that's an enlisted Marine that might not have the best writing right. skills, but still wants to help out, is there a place where they can donate or any other way for somebody who doesn't have that skill set to help? Absolutely. So you can go to our homepage, which is lssnca.org. On our main page, there's a how to help um, tab. So pro bono legal assistance is just one of the ways, but we need employers who want to hire refugees. We always need monetary and in-kind donation. You know, we meet um, arrivals at the airport um, and we literally get them into temporary and permanent housing. We put the kids in school. We address um, basic medical needs. And so we need all kinds of in-kind donation and then anybody who's willing to help. I mean, if you want to mentor a refugee child um, and or help a, an Afghan ally develop their resume um, and or buy diapers, we're always looking for all of those things. And I want to tell the people that are listening, I don't know if I've shared this story or not, but I've worked with some of the refugees that are here in San Antonio. And if you're listening and you have the opportunity to be a mentor, it is something that you will not regret for the rest of your life. I mean, just bringing toys and bringing mattresses and things like that to apartment buildings and seeing the Afghan children that are here now, American children, uh, aspiring American children playing cricket in the, their apartment building complex and things like that. It's really beautiful to see melting pot in action. And as service members and veterans who listen to this podcast, this is what we talk about when you have a responsibility to lifelong service. If you have the ability to help, you, I think that you have the responsibility to help. And the people that are at the Lutheran Social Services National Capital Region are making it that much easier. We're going to put in our YouTube link and on the blog whenever we post this so you know how to contact them directly and it'll be easier for you to do so. I want to thank you so much, Sarah, for spending your time this morning and tell us about all the things that you're doing. Thank you so much, Chaps. We really appreciate it. Take care. It's interesting when stories like this happen and people DM like, hey, we have this going on. There's 75,000 Afghan refugees that aren't under the traditional system. They still need asylum and we need to help. We need to help them out. It's amazing to me because think about how many huge public cycles there's been since the Afghan withdrawal happened. There's been enormous stories that have taken the public interest out those 75,000 people, the Afghan people that had to flee in such terrible situations are still here and still need help. And it's like the public consciousness forgotten about them because there's so many other issues and rightfully so in a lot of ways, like there's certain things that pop up and you don't have, no one has the bandwidth to keep every single story in their head and keep it in their mind and keep it in their conscience. But we wanted to remind you that there's still a bunch of people here that we all love and care about and that were there with us whenever we needed them. And now it's a time for us to show them that we can be there for them as well. Yeah. And this organization makes it a lot easier to do it. So hopefully yeah. they get a lot of you that reach out and that you're willing to help. And if you are, and we can amplify that message, and if you decide to reach out to them and you're helping, tell us these stories. We want to present these stories and let people hear them and let people know that these people are incredibly valuable and they're going to be wonderful members of American society and they're going to build their culture here as well. And I'm excited about mm -hmm. that to have that. So let's move on to save rounds and Alabama. Shall I take your order or do you need a minute? Ah, yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. 
Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Uh, let's do a little save rounds and alibis. Nick, are you on here or are you doing I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm All right. Here. What do you got, Nick? Uh, save rounds. Uh, not too much. Just enjoyed the weekend with, with the family. Again, we were talking a little bit beforehand. Um, I've become the de facto host in the household. Um, is there anything in the military that you can relate back to? Is there any like instance where you guys can see where someone gets defaulted into a role? Um, oh, you got voluntold. Yeah. Way? Yes. I got voluntold. So is there Voluntold-told. anything that happens? Yes. Is, is that a military term voluntold? I've never heard oh, of yeah. that before. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. She she put your ass on a working party real quick. Yes. You were on a working party. <laughs> well, I felt voluntold. like I worked. I was sweating and it wasn't just the part. She said, somebody better shit me a host right now. Yeah. And you came running. You were like, somebody oh, shit me 200 it. pigs in a blanket right damn now. Yeah. Well, well, I'm hey, they're happy. fucking kitchen gloves. Come here. I'm a better man for being voluntold. I'll say that. So thank you to my wife. Shout out to her. Hell yeah. That's lovely. Nick's thanking his wife that she put him to work. <laughs> I am thankful for the guidance that she provided. We needed it for our guest. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. All right. Cons, what about you? A um, few things. Number one, when we talk about the duck story, I feel like a duck is the one, one of the animals where it seems like a really cool idea to have a pet duck, but not actually because they're kind of gross and mean. So maybe stay away from that. Uh, number two. That. Um, Top Gun, I'm really appreciative of, of Tom Cruise waiting the two years and, and doing it on the, the wide screens. Uh, and his gamble paid off with the highest Memorial Day weekend opening in film history. So, did you guys see the up. Navy haters that were out, like the Navy Asian haters? Because they said that people that write about serious stuff, like people actually do that, real serious military stuff all the time, really breaking it down. They're like a fifth generation fighter wouldn't even be in the same vicinity oh, as this come old. On. Like yeah. you wouldn't, they wouldn't even have an idea that a fifth generation fighter was in the air i was like dude you're talking about fucking maverick bro like you don't yeah. think maverick knows he's in the air yeah you get a clue idiot. get a clue talking about uh, maverick he came down in a bubble doug yeah, yeah. <laughs> his wife was a witch bro yeah forget it um, um and then I just uh, I want to shout out a couple of my uh, my teammates here. Number one, Kate Shelley's call into that show had me cracking oh. up when you called and pretended to be Shelley from somewhere down south. Prank calling yep. another coworker. Prank calling another coworker. Week. Yeah, on the act that was hysterical. And then uh, shout out to Nick for two things. Number one, if you have not yet seen Nick's when my wife leaves for two minutes series on on twitter you need to go check it out because it's some of not only the funniest but some of the most well done stuff reenacting wrestling scenes like yeah. T so perfectly it's they're so funny really really good and then also uh credit to nick who yesterday on memorial day uh did the murph workout and anybody who's familiar with that knows it's a very difficult workout in honor of lieutenant mike murphy who uh, gave his life in service of the country operation red wings um navy seal so i was just thought it was awesome that you you went and did yeah. that nick so how you feeling Sorry, nick? how are your legs uh, my legs are fine i'm a good i'm a good runner so mm-hmm. but when it comes but my chest is pretty blown up because yeah. uh push-ups like you know you got to get chest to deck you know you're not really yep. you're not looking mm-hmm. to do the bro push-ups for this one you want to make sure you're doing it with respect so um and you've done a lot of work on lengthening your stride so you can move faster too right Oh, I, I am looking at that thing where you can extend your fibula. There was an actual article in, uh, I don't know what you call it, but People Magazine came out with that guy. He like got three inches added to his fibula. So mm-hmm. I'm looking about, you know, maybe foregoing Gia's college education and, and paying for that surgery. I and feel then, like it's a good move. 
yeah, yeah might have to do it. So, and chap, sorry, I don't have anything for you. So maybe you take that as a, a point to, to improve on and, and do something worthy of I won't. giving a shot. I, I can promise you that. <laughs> Kate? <laughs> um, couple things to the last minute, very last minute, Friday afternoon, about to get the baby from daycare. I said, fuck it. I went on Airbnb real quick and just last spot I saw available in the Jersey Highlands, which is not quite the Rolls Royce of Jersey beaches. It's got like a desperate Massachusetts town vibe to it. A lot of old ladies ripping heaters on stoops. Uh, it's got a desperate feel to it. There was a kid who found a battery on the beach next to us, but I feel like that's right. My speed. That's just my alley. Anyways, had a great time. Get back. We're running around all weekend, chasing the baby around, whatever. Um, and normally like, I don't get, I know Memorial day has passed now or whatever, but last night, man, uh, Monday night, um, I'm making easy Mac shells at my store. It's like 1030 at night. And I just started crying. I just like, I feel like it does, you know, like your grief doesn't go away. It just changes with you as your perspective on life and your friends and the war changes. Like it just shifts and molds and you think you have a grasp on it and then it slips from you again out of nowhere. Um, and so just if I feel like it kind of lingers after Memorial day for a lot of us, like thinking about it so heavily. So just know that you're not alone. If you're kind of like, I say, I marinate in things now I'm kind of marinating in it. And it's something that's still on my mind this morning. And of course we never forget them. We're always remembering, but it just hits a little heavier. It really does. Um, so you're not alone. You're not crazy. Um, and, uh, feel free to hit us up anytime if you're having trouble with it. Um, but that's, yeah, I think that's it for me. Yeah. yeah I think that's a, a good thing to do. And I, I posted some pictures and things like that of people that I knew or trained or deployed with who were killed in action. And I've talked about my friend Christia as a bunch on mm-hmm. this show and have mentioned him a bunch. Well, one aspect about his life that hit me this weekend differently than others is Kelsey's so close to being a senior. She'll be 17. Jeremy, who is Chris's son, was born like three days after Kelsey was. They were in the hospital at the same time. I would walk down and we would spend time together. We would constantly do inappropriate jokes like about the different kids and shit. Like we were roasting each other's infants. Like, oh, what the fuck is Jeremy? Look at his stupid ass cradle cap that he's got. Like, Mm -hmm. that's because you're a shitty parent. We would do those types (laughs) of things. Yeah. And I thought he never got the opportunity to look at his kid going into a senior year of high school. Like, and Jeremy yeah. never had the opportunity to see how respected his dad is because of the things that he did militarily, but also how unbelievably funny and fun he was to be around. He never got to see that side of his dad. So it, it's really awful. Like whenever you think about that. So I, I, yeah. I commiserate with you there, Kate. And sure. I guess that's what I mean by it. it shifts all the time as your own life changes. Like now as a parent, I like, you look so young. Like our friends look so young because it was because they were sometimes. young. And I, I guess the last thing I'll say in this, like I was really reflecting on it last night and I thought about how we were 18, 19, 20, we were early twenties and we lost a disproportionate amount of our young friends mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the country that it's not normal to go through something like that. And at such a young age, and then you don't even have time to process it because literally 10, 15 minutes later, an hour later, you're back at work again. You're outside the, like there was no time to stop and no time to mourn. There was a quick field ceremony 
And then you had to suck it up and move on. And then you got out and you were away from your buddies and life kept going. And all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're crying over your easy Mac at 10 30 PM, like ugly crying, like sobbing, losing your shit. Um, it's not the normal way to process, especially a young death, which hits especially hard. And then, you know, it's things like now that I'm a parent, boy, I sure think about how their parents feel differently now. Um, and I sure think about, you know, I'm walking with my son yesterday and I thought, oh, man, coffee would have been the best dad. Like, you know, just things like that. And it just hits you a little different as time goes on. Um, and that's part of the, I think it's a, just a very different grief process than most people go through. So yeah, it's just, it's not a straight line. Uh, it's, it's very roller coastery. So, and I think um, that goes back to what yeah. I was saying about how things shift, like where not, not yeah. just that, but the way that we look at events and not being able to have so many particular events in place like last week. And I'm sure this week as well, there was so much focus on what happened in Uvalde like that. It's just a natural, the, the country is looking at it and grieving. And I saw Castro who is a Congressman from this area and he's from San Antonio and his twin brother is a politician as well. And he said something that struck me and I hadn't even considered, like he said, I want to establish federal and state monies to rebuild, to tear down that elementary school and to rebuild it because no children should have to go back to that school. Yeah. And I thought, my God, man, like not only are, is this horrible death of 19 innocent people, but we're also talking about years of counseling for all these children, like to mm -hmm. never, to what they're going to go through and like the situations behind it we don't ever realize the full picture of grief that anyone ever goes through, like including the gold star families, the gold star wives, the gold star mothers. Because I think a lot of times when we hear these stories, we just assume that the response is obviously being incredibly sad, but honored and things like that, that you're a family member that you have sacrificed for the country and things like that. But in reality, I picture myself as somebody, having somebody that's 17 years old, nearly, and if that happened to one of my kids, I would be furious. Like if it wasn't for something that you thought was absolutely 100% worth it. And with the way that we talk about Iraq and Afghanistan now, like that enters into my brain. Like, do these, how do they feel? It's right, gotta be like for many. It's gotta be very lonely this news. Like how difficult, yeah. and hard that must be. And it's just certain. We never understand the full process of grief. Like we can never understand anyone's ever full process of grief. It's yeah. tough. I think the, the, I was, this is the last thing I'll say that I was thinking about that last night too. And like, I, I spiral every time I've been texting chaps recently saying I have, I've, been, I've still been having a hard time with the way Afghanistan ended and blah, blah. And then I've been spiraling a little bit. And one of the things that helps me when I start asking why, what was the point? Why did they die? Blah, blah, blah. Is that I think we weren't sitting around the smoke pit talking about what we were doing there and blah, blah, blah. Cause quite honestly, the general vibe was like, we're not quite sure. It was everyone did everything they did for the person to their left and their right to the Marine behind them in front of them, left, right. That's it. Everything. Everybody gave their all for the Marines around them. And I have no doubt they would do it again, 10,000 times if they believed they were doing that for the Marines around them. And those are the kind of people we have serving this country. And that gives me a lot of hope for this country that and we um, just need to elect people that chooses the positions that they're going to go in those in those harm's way. Because they're all carefully. willing. If you're in the branches of service, you're willing to go. But we yeah. have a responsibility to them to elect people who make the right decisions on which places to go into. Yeah. But just incredible people that that gives me hope what just shows what incredible people they were. And that gives me a little bit of peace. Um, so 
Yeah. Yeah. Long saved round by me. No, that was kind of a combo save round. So we'll just leave it at that. We'll see you guys back here on Friday. Thanks again to join for joining us. We appreciate it. It's on the retreat.